0: Well, here we are live on Facebook, which is something I haven't done in a long time. Uh, I was... Oh, well, here we are again, excuse me, on uh, Facebook Live, which I haven't done in a long time. I was about to record an episode of the podcast that I do, which is the Christian Bible Study Ministry podcast, and I had a thought that uh, I might uh, record a video of this, and uh, this subject is uh, from 1 Corinthians 5, and it's about holiness, and it's a subject that uh, I don't think you can overstate any in the Bible, because the Bible has a lot to say about holiness, and we are going to deal with some stuff that. Uh, a lot of people might find uncomfortable uh, but that is what's in the bible it's you know a lot of things in the bible are not comfortable and it is my intention here to show that what the bible says is you know as far as holiness is meant to be practiced in love uh you know and in truth so uh we will read today from the fifth <clears throat> excuse me from the 5th chapter of 1 Corinthians, you know, Paul writes the church at Corinth, and he gives them a rebuke for tolerating uh, some heinous sin, you know, that was going on within the church. Uh, A man had taken his father's wife, and the church seemed to think nothing of it. The church had a real problem with people turning a blind eye to sin. And we, and here we will see Paul tell them to get their act together. And so we will read from chapter 5. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he have that he that have done this deed might be taken away from among you. Uh, it was in fact quite an issue. We see quite an issue. Paul scolded them harshly by telling them that what was happening was not even named among the Gentiles. Uh, their attitude was. Uh, so waxed towards sin that, you know, that they overlooked this man's sin. And Paul said they were puffed up. It's like it, they didn't think anything of it or think much of it. Verses three through five. For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, Paul told them, under the authority of Christ, to put the man out to hand him over to Satan that is you know this is an interesting point it's a very interesting point the hope for the man was that his flesh would be destroyed and that his spirit may be saved uh, you know in the day of the in the day of the lord jesus excuse me Uh, i believe that we should understand this to mean the day on which christ will judge the saints that is his church to determine rewards this is called the Bema judgment. You know, Bema is a Greek word for a platform of sorts that the, uh, that a judge of an athletic competition would sit out and he would judge the athletes based on their performance. And, uh, it's something that, uh, I think a lot of Christians have a misunderstanding of. They think that, uh, the reward is eternal life, but there's a difference between and it uh, there's a difference between a reward and a gift. The Bible tells us repeatedly that eternal life is a gift. It's a free gift. So your reward is based on a, it's basically it's based on your performance as a Christian. you know, what have you done with your Christian life? What were your motives for? Uh, doing these things, you know, that will determine uh, your reward that Christ will give to you. And it's honestly a subject that is uh, for a a whole other uh, sermon. So verses six through seven, your glory, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Uh, you know, the church had the attitude that it didn't matter what they did because they had liberty. You know, they thought that uh, they were not under the law anymore. I guess so. They felt that uh, whatever they did, it was allowed or allowable under the new covenant. and But this is something that Paul t- told them was not true. Paul tells them that this is wrong and to purge the leaven out of them to preserve the whole. This is what Christ died for. Christ died so that we could have holiness and to strive to be more like him. He did not die so that we may go sin. Uh, You know so that we may have liberty to sin He did not die for that We have liberty as Christians, but we are to exercise that liberty uh, Within the constraints of holiness that he has given us in his word We'll go to verses 8 through 9 Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The statement, you know, this statement speaks of the motive with which things should be spoken. Uh, You know, we're not supposed to go beat people over the head with the Bible. I'm sure I've been, I know I've been guilty of that before. That doesn't uh, do much good for the kingdom of God, you know, when you're beating somebody over the head. Especially, you know, if they're not a Christian, they're not going to want to listen to you uh, because they uh, your tone would come across as not a loving one, probably, if you're doing that. Uh, so, you know, again, this statement speaks of the motive with which the things, you know, with which things should be spoken. Uh, when we have a problem with a fellow Christian, you know, malice and wickedness are are not to show, that's not, uh, you know, when we go to confront, yes, confront a fellow believer over a wrong or a perceived wrong, then we're not supposed to have a, uh, we're not supposed to have any feelings of wickedness or malice towards them, Uh, you know, we're supposed to go to them, you know, and not show malice and wickedness, but to show love, sincerity and truth. You know, it is possible to do that, to discuss your problems with somebody in a loving and truthful manner. That is possible to do. And, you know, the the old leaven is to be gotten rid of. This corrupting influence uh, in the church was to be gotten rid of, to preserve uh, the whole. And so that love, truth, and sincerity would gain more of a proper place they would gain more of their proper place in the church Uh, they can't have that if the truth is not being upheld you know if you're turning a blind eye towards these sins within the church you're not uh, your church is not going to have the love truth and sincerity standing in it the way that they should be it's just not possible we will read through now verses 9 through 11 I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators yet not altogether with, with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters for them must need excuse me for them must ye needs go out of the world but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator a a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. This is a part that a lot of people find uncomfortable and they think that it's not uh they think that it's not loving or or maybe even not even Christian, you know. But you know, here the thought continues, uh, its progression. Paul tells them again to avoid uh, those who call themselves Christians, but are fornicators, coveters, you know, covetous, or, or idolaters, uh, railers, or drunkards, or extortioners, and we're not to eat with them. That's a harsh uh, and unpleasant thing. You know, it, a lot of people today find that harsh and unpleasant. You know, but it, it is what the Bible says to do in that case. And here we have it. Uh, We are not, you know, we're not to eat with them. The unbelieving world, you you know, we must, you know, basically we must get out of this world in order to avoid the unbelieving world, all these things that are in the unbelieving world. So, but again, we are to avoid brethren who behave in such a way. Again, people will object and they'll say that's not, it's not loving, you know, but in fact it is. It is the loving thing to do. It is an act of love for the church and for the offender. Uh, this discipline is most necessary or else Paul would not have uh, written this. Verses 12 through 13. For what, I, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without God judgeth, therefore put away from among yourselves the, that wicked person. You know, we don't judge the unbelieving world for that, you know, that's God's job. Uh, the unbelieving world is already under his judgment. You know, the Bible tells, that, it tells us that in the book of John. You know, it's something on the lines of whoever doesn't believe the wrath of God abides on him. It, you know, it's already on him. And it's basically being stored up for the end. If that person doesn't repent of their unbelief towards Christ, they will get the full cup of his wrath that has been stored up. His judgment is what they will get. You know, we do, however, judge those within because they call themselves Christians. The church has a responsibility to judge those within it. And this is to be done in a certain way as well. You know, we're accountable to each other. You know, you don't go up and beat, you know, beat someone in the head with the Bible, you know, for if you think they're doing something wrong that is going to bring disgrace to the church, you know, you don't go beat them in the head with the Bible. You know, you go to them and talk with them about it. Or, you know, and if that doesn't work, you bring somebody else. That doesn't work. Then it goes before the church, and if necessary, the church uh, can and should uh, ex- excommunicate that person. And the hope in that case is to, you know, in excommunicating a person or kicking them out of the church, it's not a punishment per se. It's like a, you know, it is a disciplinary measure. And the whole idea there's two whole there's two really big ideas in this two motives. One is to preserve the integrity of the church, and so that the um, the reputation of the church will be maintained. And also that that person who is committing the sin, they would have the chance to stop what they're doing so that they wouldn't have to go before Christ and, you know, and be in that state. Um, they So that they won't have to go before him and basically have all of their life, their life work burned up. You know, Hebrews talks about this in uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through i think 12 or maybe nine well actually yeah that thought does go through verse 12 but uh and it says hey if a person is uh you know they're living their life in such a way that they're putting in christ to an open shame, you know that they're going to be like the field that has brought forth the thorns and thistles it says that it is nigh into cursing. And so, these people will be like the field that is burned. It says it is nigh unto cursing. They're not cursed. It is nigh unto cursing. And, you know, whereas the other field, the one that brings forth the good fruits and vegetables and things, you know, it receives blessing. And... I've heard uh, Jay Vernon McGee, the old-time preacher, talk about this. You know, he says that, and he said that he wasn't sure if he was looking forward to going before Christ one day because, he, according to him, Jesus was going to pick him apart. Uh, you know, not to judge his salvation, but to judge the quality of his work as a Christian. You know, everything is going to be looked at, and that's something that we all need to uh, take into great consideration. You know as to how we live our lives the things we say the things we watch the things we do and you know we're all going to have some moments you know some works in our life that are going to be burned i know i have a whole share of them you know some stuff i don't even know about i'm sure it's going to be burned you know my hope is for myself to go before christ and have at least you know at least a couple of gold nuggets or something to show for my life you know or a crown of some kind that is what we're to strive for and the whole purpose of church discipline is you know like what we've just read about here is to help uh somebody get to that point you know is to help avoid them is to help them to avoid having all of their works burned up like that you know the bible says in Hebrews chapter ten, for somewhere around verses uh in twenty six through thirty one, you know, it's a raging fire. That you know, you think about a field that's burned, you know, it's a raging fire. And that is referenced again in Hebrews chapter ten, you know, for people who have uh basically lived like uh what Christ did, you know, had no real meaning you know and my interpretation of this is that these people would be christians but they have slid so into sin you know they they've committed some flagrant sin and you know they if they die in that state it's like they've lost everything that they could have accumulated or did accumulate uh Because the Bible says that our God is a raging, it says in Hebrews, he is a, a fire. So, but anyway, I wanted to share this with y'all. This is something that I have, I think, had on my heart for a while. And, uh, I want to pray right now, you know, if there's anybody who's watching this or winds up listening to this when I convert it into a podcast form, uh, MP3, uh, if there is anybody out there who is struggling with something or if they're or if they know that they're lost uh you know i hey i pray that right now father uh if there's anybody listening to this if they need you for salvation i pray that they would uh accept you if you're leading them if you're leading them to salvation right now i pray that their hearts would open up and accept you uh and come to know you as christ the savior in order, if there's anybody who's out there who has been living their life in the way that they not they, you know, living their life in the way that they know that they shouldn't be, then I would hope too that they would uh, take the opportunity to have you, you know, uh, you know, to come to the, uh, you know, to come to you and just have you wash all that stuff off them and start, you know, and just pick, you know, and get back into the. Um, you know, get back into the race, you know. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive any transgressions that I may have, you know, and I pray that you would help to restore anybody to fellowship who is currently out of fellowship with you. And it's in Christ's name I pray this, amen. Thank you.